Why don't you take a moment and uh, just encourage somebody around you before you take your seat. Tell them they're looking good. It's good to see them in church today. Welcome to you, uh, online family joining in online, um, the New York table and many others. I just appreciate so much the, co the connection we've been able to make in this regard just as we continue to explore um, how we can more effectively utilize technology to be family. So continue to pray. We'll have wisdom in that. And uh, God bless you. Looking forward to all God's doing in all of our hearts and lives. Destiny Kids, it is time to go and rock the house in the Destiny Kids ministry area. Come on, let's hear it for the next generation church leaders. <laughs> really, really grateful for what the Lord is doing in, uh, in our hearts as the mothers and fathers of the faith for the sons and daughters who are coming up. And you know, it's hard to give what you don't have. It's interesting to me, the Bible references that in the last days, our sons and daughters will prophesy. And you know, that'll mess up your theology in regard to the gifts of the Spirit if you say that they're no longer operating. Uh, if in the last days, the very last days, our sons and daughters will prophesy. What that means is there's a mother and father generation that's going to be raised up that actually has a heart to see their children learn to hear the voice of the Lord. And, um, and I, I think we're encountering that in such a profound way, that First John 2 declaration. You don't need a man to teach you. You need the anointing. And uh, man, we're on a mission, aren't we, to try and explore and experience what that really looks like in the way we're seeking God and walking with Him together as a family. So big question for you today. Um, are you fulfilling your God-given purpose? You know, um, it's easy to merely exist when actually we're designed by God to truly live. Like we can just get through, you know, keep going, keep moving, get it done, this is happening, that's how everything's being pulled this way, pulled that way, and we wind up just merely existing and really never understanding the deep eternal purpose for which God actually created and designed us. And I'm going to talk to you about your design today, maybe from a perspective you've never really thought about. But it's a big question, are you fulfilling your God-given purpose because I want us all to walk in that type of reality and revelation in our relationship with the Lord. And so we have to learn to live from the eternal perspective of God if we're going to fulfill our God-given mission. And, and we want to help you in doing that because I know this may sound um, wild. Glad you're here. Good to see you. Welcome to our uh, church family online. But I want you to know you were designed for more than church attendance. In other words, Jesus didn't die so you could merely go to church. And in fact, you cannot go to church. The only reason this is a church is because you're here. If, if we took you out of here and we put cars in here, it wouldn't be a church, it would be a garage. It's defined by the existence of what's inside. And so we're only a church because of us 
You can't go to church. You are the church. We gather as the church, and we want to mobilize, inspire, and empower the church to go and be the church everywhere the church goes because we are the expression that God's kingdom has come and that Jesus is alive. He is not dead. He is alive. Come on. The power of God exists within us. Your praise is releasing something right now. You have to understand, the, 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 you know, even that scripture in Job, hissing the enemy away by the clapping of our hands, like when something stirs within us and we say, bravo Jesus, it's like we're releasing something spiritually around us. We carry that kind of capacity. There's a shout we see in scripture that brought the walls of Jericho down. There's a celebration we see in scripture that shook the foundation and chains broke off of people's lives and those on the outside of the prison when Paul and Silas were worshiping, they were asleep, but they woke up. There's a dance that David did that actually ushered the presence of God back into Israel. I mean, all of these things that we do in our worship, the lifting of our hands is a declaration as it was in the days of Moses. The hands are lifted and the champion spirit comes upon the people of God and something is released that actually awakens a strength that is a supernatural dynamic. With the shout of our voice, with the, sing, the singing of our song, with the lifting of our hands, with our dance, with all all those things, it's a prescription we read in the Bible to actually release the kingdom of God, and you carry that sense of the power of God within you. We're not just gathering to, to sing a few songs and get our, our TED Talk speech in for the week, and hopefully it's good because we got our friends, and if they'll be entertained enough, we'll get them back. No, we don't want faith that rests on man's clever. We want faith that rests on God's power. Something's happening within us right now. Do you believe that? It's the purpose for which uh, we're gathering as the body, and we take that so seriously. And I just want you to know something right up front. Um, we're, we're inviting anybody that wants to step into a deeper understanding of your God-given purpose to walk on this journey with us. And there are a lot of avenues that we do that. But one of those ways, if you're new, then we do something called Discover Destiny. And that is happening in just a few weeks on February the 12th. And we're going to have a brief conversation right after the service. And I'm saying this because I'm making it sound as convenient as I possibly can, okay? But believe me, I'm going to move past that in just a moment. We all have to have an on-ramp. But there's this, this brief meeting we're going to have right after service. You're already going to be at church. Doesn't this sound convenient? And right after service, we're just going to go have a brief meeting. I mean, we're probably going to take 30 to 40 minutes and give you an explanation of the following six classes, weeks, where we're going to help you know who you are. We're going to learn more who we all are, who Jesus is. You can come to that first little you know, meeting after the service on the 12th. No strings attached. You don't have to do anything further. But the next steps beyond that is we want to help train you for war. This is what we're doing here. How many of you know we're not just showing up to try and gather at church? We are in a battle, and the worst kind of battle you could ever face is the battle you don't even know exists. You're not going to win that fight. And so we want to try and awaken that. We want to explain that process. How are we taking people to a deeper place? If you're new with us or you've not been through Discover Destiny, then please plan to come on that February the 12th. Uh, we have an online option going on as well for those of you that are joining us online. <clears throat> 
on that day. But take a Connect card, or you can do this digitally by texting DESTINY to the number that pops up on the screen. Um, And if you would, just drop this in the giving station or fill it out online, and we'll follow up with you to give you more details about how to walk that out, how to make more of that connection and grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. We really need something more than just a religious order of accomplishing something that we feel obligated to accomplish. There's something deeper God's doing in all of our hearts in this hour of the church. Now, I, I'm going to, I really wrestled with this, um, but I, I do feel that I'm to, to share something really personal. So rather than starting with myself, I'm going to start with one of my daughters. <laughs> Lexi, the chosen one. You always have to be careful when you're around me because you will become a sermon illustration, right? <laughs> I, I've, I've, this is a, f- a well-known idea in our, in our family. Um, I don't know, it's been a little over a year ago. Lexi got some really uh, devastating news at the university where she's attending. And it was not, um, was not life-ending, but it was life-altering. And uh, she got in my car, and she began to sob. A deadline had been missed. It was going to impact things about her future, and, uh, and literally was, was crying pretty hard. And, and my response completely threw her for a loop. I, I just reached over, grabbed her hand, and I said, Lexi, I am so excited. And she's like, <gasps> <laughs> Like she went from cry to crazy just that fast. And, um, and she said, what? And I said, when you find yourself in a situation that looks like there's no way, it's like that's when God steps in and does his best work. And I said, I said I'm excited and we're going to go celebrate today. And she's like, celebrate is not what I thought we would be doing. And I'm like, we're going to celebrate because God is going to come through and he's going to rock our world when we see his faithfulness in this situation. We went and we laughed and we celebrated. Uh, We know the spot where we went to celebrate, so maybe when we have a challenging time in the future, we might go back to that same spot and celebrate again. But you'll never guess what happened. It was just a matter of about two weeks and God gave breakthrough to a situation that seemed it had no way. I mean, it's a beautiful story, wonderful celebration. But then I want to tell you another story because it's easy now after the fact, isn't it? Sometimes you're in the middle of the struggle and you need to, to get your, your uh, faith on, get your attitude right, get your heart positioned before the Lord. Let him awaken that eternal perspective of God within you. Because this last week, um, I got some pretty tough news from a, uh, from a doctor. It's not life-ending, but it's life-altering. And, um, and it deals with my eye. And, uh, and they're having a surgeon call me Monday to start talking some of those conversations and interactions. And I came home. I was pretty emotional, you know, with Tracy. I called her. I said, hey, I, I get, I'm leaving my appointment. I really need to talk. I came home. I was pretty emotional about all of it because you kind of walk through all that process. I'm good. I know when I start saying anything like this, I start getting a lot of love from people, a lot of cards. Um, But but I appreciate that. We're just standing and believing God as he helps us walk every step through. And and I'm uh, I'm simply wanting to share this with you because I think it's important sometimes that we 
that we're honest about the struggle in the midst of the struggle season. It's too easy to come in after the fact and point back and not really stand in the moment and recognize this is where God does his best work. So I'm going to go on and have the conversation with the surgeon. I made the big mistake of watching a YouTube video so I would see what the surgery would be like. Yeah! (laughs) I'm really motivated to pray. I mean, you know, (laughs) honestly, it's just... I just want to step back and hear the Lord in moments in time. But this is the thing I want all of us to understand. It is vital that you get this with where we're going today. We know that God has invited us to go to a deeper place in him this year. Deeper is our New Year's revelation. And I want you to understand, you must go deeper in prayer. And you must go deeper in the word And don't neglect this one. You must go deeper in authentic community. Those three spaces of going deeper provide fuel for the fire that God wants to burn within you that will burn up doubt, will burn up chaos, burn up confusion. Do you understand how important the fire is? The Bible actually says in Hebrews, our God is an all-consuming fire The Bible also says in the book of Hebrews that you and I are, uh, the ministers of the Lord, are flames of fire. What that means is that fire is supposed to be continually burning up all the doubt, all the confusion, all the perplexed perspectives that can cause us to do dumb things like YouTube surgery and then freak yourself out, find out the five reasons, you know, that you can die from a mosquito bite. You can find it on Google somewhere. That's not supposed to be our focal point. We're supposed to go deeper in the Word, deeper in prayer, and deeper in community as we gather together and pursue the purposes of God. And when we do that, it's fuel for the fire. And look, it's food to the inner man. And our inner man has to be strong. So here we are as the gathering of the church. Gathering online, gathering in the room. We're the gathering of the church. And most of us would say, people that neglect the gathering of the church, they're spiritually anemic or they're spiritually deficient. You'd agree with that because you're here. Like you're here gathering because you have a value on that. And I understand that, and I value that, and I appreciate that. But I want you to know you're also spiritually deficient if all you do is show up and put your buttocks in a seat and listen to somebody talk to you, and the only time you eat spiritually is when somebody else is feeding you, then you are spiritually deficient in your own life. So we want to ask, will you grow with us this year? Can we grow together as a family? We want to go deeper in prayer, deeper in the Word. We're going to be in this room at 6 a.m. on Tuesday. I would invite you to come and explore what 6 a.m. prayer is about. I attended online uh, a group that meets now on Friday morning at 6 a.m., a group of young men, and I heard that they were starting this group, so I wanted to check it out. They're actually here on campus and online, and so Bryce Rustler was leading that group. I saw Bryce over here somewhere. There's Bryce. There you are. Hey, Bryce. Uh, Bryce is leading that group. And man, I was impacted by the approach they were taking to rehearsing and praying over the scripture this week. God is doing something in this hour of the church. Don't miss what God is desiring for you to understand and growing deeper in your relationship with the Lord. Because I want you to have the kind of strength that came to Gideon when God called him to fight a battle 
but looked like there was no way he could win that battle. I want you to carry the resolve that the Apostle Paul had whenever he faced certain death in certain situations and circumstances, but the resilience that existed within him came because there was fuel to the fire and there was food to his inner man and he had strength. And I want you to have that strength when you face the storms of life and the circumstances that come your way. I want you to rise up and be strong. It doesn't always look like it's going to work out before it works out, but God will work it out. He's the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. We're going to stand in faith and declare his word and proclaim his will and walk this out. Go deeper in prayer, deeper in the word, and deeper in a revelation of community. So this is why we we know God's asked this of us. Declare it with me if you would. It'll come up on the screen. This speaks of the five truths that we know the Lord wants us to circle back over and over, and it starts with being loving. (laughs) Always has to start with being loving. We are outrageously loving people. If you'll put that up on the screen. There. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. We, we understood last week the hurried life is a life that has a difficult time loving because they're so, you know, when we allow ourselves to be so stressed out and so busy, we don't have time, we don't have margin It's hard to be loving when you live your life with no margin. And we live in a society that rejects this. And and we've had to have this conversation in my family this week that that the world has so evangelized the church that we can't even hear the scripture without formulating our arguments of why that's unreasonable. What is the Sabbath all about? And why was it such a big deal to God? And why is it such a big deal to God? And my family, we had a conversation this week of how we're going to implement the Sabbath. Like, really implement a Sabbath. It's not like what the, you know, common G, I'm not going to explain all of it. But for us, we have to determine a time of rest as a family. We're not going to be racing around. We're just going to rest and be in the Lord and be together and enjoy His presence. It's a very important principle and concept. And already in many people's minds, listening to me right now, you're, you're explaining to your why that won't work for you and that's because the world has told you who you are supposed to be and the word of God has taken second in what God is trying to define in your life so today I want us to talk about this we are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord and when we passionately pursue the Lord, it increases the fuel for the fire that exists within our hearts. And it begins to nourish our inner man and destroy our outer man. And when we deal with our outer man correctly, then our inner man actually begins to easily break forth and express life that's born from the Spirit. But if we don't deal with our flesh and we just let our flesh constantly talk about why I can never live by the Spirit, I can't do those things, this is this just not... That's good for you. That's not good for me. Stop arguing with God's word. Those are called strongholds. Those are called strongholds. It's where the devil gets a hold in your life and fortifies an argument of why you cannot do what God's word tells you to do. That's a stronghold. 
So we want to passionately pursue the Lord. Here's the question today, and it's, it's a painful one if you can answer it honestly. It has been for me. What are you sacrificially passionate about? What are you sacrificially? You're sacrificially passionate about something. You're sacrificing things for something. And you need to understand this statement. What you are sacrificially passionate about is actually what you are living for. I'm going to explain it to you in a few ways, but I promise you this. We don't have a sin problem. We have a worship problem. And worshiping idols is way more common in the society in which we live than what anybody understands. Idolatry, modern-day idolatry exists. You don't have a sin problem, you got a worship, uh, you got a worship problem. And so we want to dig deep, and, and I, I do, I want to just make sure you know this, because we're, we're, fuel the fire is coming soon. I'm talking all this word of fire, and it's stirring it up. Uh, fuel the fire is coming soon. March uh, the 3rd and 4th, on that Friday, March the 3rd, we've got people coming from various places. We're going to be in here in this room during the day on that Friday, fasting and praying together number of different pastors, leaders, churches around here. Uh, last year we had churches from California fly in. We had a guy from India come to this event. Stephen Esther Uppel will be joining us again from England. Henry is a Nigerian who pastors a church in England. He's going to be joining us this year. Uh, we had our, our Fuel the Fire last year was like Easter service on steroids. I mean, we didn't expect it, but it just really, like God did something special. And those pastors have been talking now, and there's some momentum there, and we're evaluating, are we going to be able to fit in this room? We'll have to open this other curtain and, and spread out. But I just believe God wants to do something powerful, profound, and significant, and an impartation out of heaven into our hearts to awaken something of the eternal nature of God so that we're living from a perspective that moves us beyond where we've been into a place of the wide open purposes of God. And so uh, the, the card on your seat, we're going to talk about this passionately pursuing part in a moment, but we did put fuel the fire on the back of that. So I just want you to make sure you have that so that you can be thinking that through, get registered in for that. And um, I really believe it's going to be a very significant weekend for us. You were created and designed by God to worship. So what we want to try and do is provide the context to learn what it means to actually worship God first and foremost. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all the other stuff will be added to you. Like we've got to learn to put him first. If we don't put him first, I, I, I know this will be crazy sounding to you at first, but if you don't put him first, you're going to worship something else. This is what we all need to understand. Everyone everywhere is always worshiping. Even non-religious people. Everyone, everywhere is always worshiping. I, I mean, this, there's a whole lot I can say about this, but, but what you sacrifice for, you glory in. You sacrifice to, to get a new car, you're going to glory in that car. You want people to see that car. You sacrifice to get a new outfit, you want a glory in that outfit. And, and those things actually are not bad as long as Jesus is at the center. 
then you can enjoy those things, but you have to seek first the lordship of Christ. If you, if you don't do that, then you start, you start chasing after all kinds of things that will get you lost in the winds of the world around us. And Romans chapter 12 says that presenting our bodies as living sacrifice is actually a spiritual act of worship. I want you to think about that away from the context of the Lord Jesus Christ for a moment and think about that. Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is actually a spiritual act of worship. What you're sacrificing for, setting your focus on, giving your attention to, is actually a form of an expression of worship. You were created by God to worship. You were designed by God to worship. You cannot help but worship. You will worship. You are worshiping. Right now, you are worshiping. There's something going on in our hearts, every single one of us, in this season of our lives. And we've got to learn to put Jesus at the center of this. And so I ask again, what are you sacrificially passionate about? Are you passionate about relationships? Are you passionate about hobbies? Are you passionate about your GPA? Are you passionate about fashion? You understand, if you worship your job or you worship money, you become a worker a workaholic. If you worship your reputation, then you're just totally worried about what everybody thinks about you all the time. It's worship. This is such an important statement. It's going to come up on the screen. I want you to really reflect on it. And before it comes up, I really just feel the Lord is digging deep today. Would you agree? And so let's just invite him to go deeper. You know, in this time of fasting, like this is 40 days of fasting. We're just like, we're just close to worship night at 36.5 days into the year. It happens to be an exact 10% of the year uh, when we come together two weeks uh, from today, I guess it is. But that evening at 6 o'clock, we'll kind of conclude our, our fast and declare in worship, just Lord, just come. And in this time of, of fasting, for me, part of what I'm doing is just sugar. I'm no sugar. And man, I literally went to the cabinet yesterday where I hide my sweet goodies that nobody knows about. And I, everybody knows about them now. And, and I opened the cabinet and I looked up there and I said, hello, double stuffed Oreos. Hello, Boston baked beans. And then I was like, oh my goodness, there's still some uh, candy that Betty Rogers gave us that I had hidden up there that I forgot was up there. And in that moment, I thought to myself, ooh, have you ever had that moment? And I literally, I did it, I, I took it and I looked at it. And I thought about how good it tastes. I, I did it on purpose. Because when I'm fasting something, I want to rehearse the appetite that exists toward what I'm fasting, recognizing there's something deeper going on in my life than these surface appetites. That's why I will not have whatever it is that I, in that season of time, and so, Lord, I pray that you would just reach into our hearts to understand you're calling us to live life with eternity in mind. So help us to understand that today as we explore what it means to truly passionately pursue the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. How many of you believe that we live in a society where people are given to the surface pleasures all day long? 
How many of you have found yourselves being given to surface pleasures all day long? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. You've, you've experienced that before. It is true. Fast-paced, instant gratification society. Here's the statement. It'll come on the screen. I want you to think about it. A gluttonous, indulgent, entertainment-addicted, social media age filled with illicit desire has produced a bored and boring people who lack purpose for which we were created. The groan happens across the room because it's true. A gluttonous, indulgent, entertainment-addicted social media age filled with illicit desire has produced bored and boring people who lack purpose for which we were created. And it is all the result of misappropriated worship. So raise your hand if you're a believer. Can I just see? Raise your hand if you're a disciple. Is there a difference? You know, even demons believe. We've focused on a society that's so idolatry in church for guys like me, church growth. You get that? We will stand before God and give an account for convincing people to become believers who follow our vision without truly making disciples. I'm just going to tell you, when you truly make a disciple, you have a sense of something uncontrollable on your hands. Like the fire of God is in them and they don't know what to do with it and then they come burn around you and then you're like, oh my goodness, would you just calm down and be a believer again? I don't need all that. I just say let the fire of God be awakened. Let messes happen. Let the church do what God's called the church to do. Come on, you're supposed to be wild. Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. Jesus died to make you dangerous. We want you to become everything God's called you to become. And I want us just to think about this term discipleship and what it means to be a disciple of Christ because I'm very concerned I believe that there are a lot of people in our society who say they follow Jesus because they've been taught to be a believer. They say they follow Jesus, but their lives bear no resemblance to the disciplines of Christ whatsoever. Now, I, I know this is getting pretty, welcome to Sunday morning, you know. Uh, sorry, this is a little heavy, but I'm just trying to be sensitive to the Lord. I've not even gotten to my text because I just feel like God is just, in, in our business right now. When you understand the difference between a believer and a disciple, then you find out a believer is somebody who believes in Jesus, but the kingdom of God and, and ministry is all about self-fulfillment. And I just want you to understand the cross of Jesus Christ is at the center of the kingdom of God and ministry is not about self-fulfillment. Ministry is about kingdom advancement. And kingdom advancement comes with the price, and you have to die to yourself in order to live to Christ. I don't want to try and help you find the five steps to the best possible life you can possibly have on this earth as if that's God's main concern. His son died on a cross, and the sacrifice of Jesus is not the only sacrifice we should be talking about. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. <clears throat> Luke 
I made a really short message on purpose today. <laughs> and I have had a hard time getting off the ground with where I wanted to go. But again, you understand the point is we want to be presence central, not pulpit central. We want to have a revelation that the Lord desires in this moment, not information that inspires us and we walk out and say, oh, point A, B, C, we got the information. We need revelation, impartation. Information is good. It's just secondary <laughs> to an awakening that God wants to bring in our hearts. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. This is what it means to be a disciple. If you want to be a believer, listen, we're going to go easy. Just slip up your hand. Nobody looking around. Listen, I want to say everybody looking around. <laughs> If you're not going to stand up for Jesus in a moment like this, in an atmosphere like this, you're not going to stand up for him out there in a moment where it's difficult. I don't want to make it easy and simple. I want, to, I want us to understand what God's calling us to. I don't, want, I don't think we're called to make believers. I believe we're called to make disciples. A believer says, make me happy, make me inspired. You know, and, and, and a disciple says, I'm following the Lord and I'm discerning you. You better not be off. Are you hearing me? We've raised up churches that don't even have a sense of discernment, and now we've got showmanship on a platform where we're making all kinds of creative expressions to keep everybody attractionally focused, and nobody is able to discern the fact that we're not even having the power of God being demonstrated in moments of gathering like this. If the Apostle Paul were here leading a church today, it would not look like a lot of churches look today. And we've got to be aware. What's the deal? There's a blueprint of Scripture, a blueprint of Scripture, and a structure that we've built, and a blueprint of Scripture, and a structure that we built, and the structure doesn't seem to resemble much of the blueprint of Scripture. I, I'm, not, I'm not being negative and critical on the church. Jesus loves the church. I'm a pastor of a church. We're gathered as the church. I'm just saying, we're going to have to get this thing better right than we have in times past. It's the season we're stepping into, and it's going to be costly. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily. Prayer, word, community, sacrifice, daily taking up their cross for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever, wants, uh, whoever loses their life for me, they will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their own soul or their very own self? You, just, just real quick understanding. Discipleship was not something Jesus invented or came up with when he lived here on the earth. Discipleship existed before Jesus came to the earth. Uh, you know, Socrates lived 300 years before, 400 years before Jesus. It's a well-known fact that Plato was a disciple of Socrates. You understand what I'm saying? Like, this existed way before Jesus was born. 
So if we can just find maybe contextually what discipleship looked like in the day which Jesus was born, we might have a better understanding of what it means to follow Jesus and, and be a disciple or a follower of Christ. In, in that day, what would happen? The apprentice would follow the mentor in such a way, you, you would even copy his form of dress, capture the tone of his voice, and, and carry the yoke of his beliefs. It was common understanding. The yoke is the belief structure. You would carry that yoke. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. You know, he's talking about my set of structure of beliefs and, and realities of God, the eternal perspective of God. Let that be awakened within us as we're followers of Christ today. Discipleship literally became the apex of the Jewish education system. The goal was to be with your rabbi in order to become like your rabbi. The goal was to become with or to be with your rabbi to become like your rabbi. The goal is to be with Jesus so you become like him because you're not just looking at the pattern of somebody external from you. He is actually alive within you, and his desires are at work within you, and you have the capacity and ability to have a compassion that is beyond your own understanding, and you do not understand how God can love somebody through you in such a way that you don't have that kind of love yourself. That's God love through us. This is being a follower of Jesus. I don't like people as much as Jesus likes people. So if I get past myself, I'll love people more than I can love people. Yeah. I had somebody tell me one time, I hate working with kids. And I said, don't work with kids. <laughs> but ask yourself the question, why you feel so strongly about a group of people that Jesus was contagiously in love with. I want to be more like him. Not striving to try and act more like him but dying so that he can actually live through my surrender more readily. I am not as nice as Jesus. He is much nicer than I am. I love the story. There's a guy on an airplane. He's, he's got these two first-class upgrade tickets, and it takes two first-class upgrade tickets to get into this special lounge at the JFK airport, and he's flying domestically there before he flies overseas. He's got many hours of wait, and he's, got, he's gonna get up in this lounge with these two first-class, and, and so he's sitting there, and this, this lady next to him rings the, the stewardess and says, hey, could you please put me up in first class? A high school friend of mine I haven't seen in years is there. There's an empty seat right beside her. Could I go up there? And she said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Uh, you have to stay where you are. And she said, I understand. And she sat there and was disappointed. And the Holy Spirit said, give her one of your upgrades. And he said, no. <laughs> Don't you love the gospel of Jesus Christ that actually lets you be human and lets him be God? He said, no, I don't want to. And the Lord said, give it to her. And so he said, ma'am, if you'll give the stewardess this, the attendant this, then she'll take you up and you can get up in the... And so she said, oh, well, thank you. She hits her button. Two other flight attendants were flying standby. They were behind them. And they heard what happened and they knew the value of what he just gave to her. And there was no small stir. They're having this conversation, and, and so he realizes it begins to be an interaction, and he, and he says, would you like to know why I gave her the upgrade? And she said, yes. And, and, and he said, I didn't want to, but the Lord wanted me to, and I found out that the Lord Jesus loves people more than I do, and when he asks me to do something, I just try to do what he wants so that people experience his love. That's a beautiful expression of the gospel. The flight attendant came and said, uh, oh, I didn't realize you had that. Would you like to go up there? She said, no. She handed it back. She said, I think I'll stay right here. The guy led her to Jesus that day. 
That's the gospel. Stop feeling like the gospel is you acting like something you're not. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you passionately pursuing Christ, getting in touch with the reality that you got a bunch of nonsense going on within you that battles against the love of Jesus Christ. But so many people say they follow Jesus and their lives bear no resemblance to him or the disciplines of his practices whatsoever. Discipline, disciple. Plato took upon himself the disciplines of Socrates because he was a follower of Socrates. We should take upon ourselves the disciplines of Christ because we are disciples of Christ. Jesus lived the discipline of prayer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Jesus lived the discipline of prayer. Jesus lived the discipline of Scripture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus lived the discipline of prayer. Jesus lived the discipline of Scripture. And Jesus lived the discipline of community. I'll make it to church when I can. Read my Bible? Really? Prayer? Okay, when I eat. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Francis Chan had the ultimate pastor's gig in California, West Coast. 5,000 people attending his church. I don't share his sentiment, but what he said still shakes me. He got up in front of his church. I've listened to his message now multiple times on his resignation Sunday. And he literally said to 5,000 people, I can no longer pastor this church because most of you are going to hell. I mean, I, I was shocked. I, I, I've listened to that over and over. And what he was saying was, in his opinion, and again, I don't share his sentiments, but in his opinion, we've raised up a bunch of believers who really aren't following Jesus, and your eternity is at stake, and I'm now responsible before God. And he left his church My view and what the Lord stirred in me, and it's part of the book that Tracy and I wrote, Religious Confusion, is we're trying to explore what our responsibility is in the body of Christ to awaken the church to a deeper reality of Christ, and that's why I'm having this conversation today that I believe is opening the door for a conversation from the Lord. Disciplines of prayer, disciplines of Scripture, and disciplines of community. I'll say it again, what I said last week, you cannot go deep if you do not slow down. You're going to have to learn to slow down if you are going to go deep. And if you don't slow down, you won't go deep. You're going to have to find time to pray. You're going to need to get into the Word. And I'm going to show you how to do that today with a few moments that we have. Just give you an illustration of that on your handout. And I'll point to that in a moment. So kind of get that ready if you would. A prayer life that says, Lord... I've got about five minutes here. 
If you could just give me the plan for my life, I'd appreciate it because I've got a lot to do. That's not going to happen. You're not going to hear the Lord. I know for a fact if you have no time devoted to being quiet before the Lord and listening to the voice of the Father, I know for a fact you are a person that does not hear the voice of God. You don't. So I want to help you have a concept of how to go about this. I started just about a year and a half ago just taking verses of Scripture and converting them to prayer. So on the back of this, you'll see this verse of Scripture. In 1 John 3, 24, this is our theme verse out of the message for this year. It says, as we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him, and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us by the spirit he gave us. It's a beautiful scripture. If you look below it, it's just how I translated the verse into a prayer that I can pray so that I'm rehearsing God's word back to him. Lord, I thank you for your loving commands that awaken a confidence within us. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Lord, that you awaken that confidence within us to live deeply and surely in Christ. We live in Christ, and Christ lives in us, and that produces his rich, deep experience of God's abiding presence within us by your spirit that is within us. Thank you, Lord. Would you, Lord, increase our revelation of what it means to experience this place of a deep, abiding place with you? You're just taking verses and you're converting them to prayer. So you're declaring his word back to him. Will you do this this week? I would encourage you. you there's some blank lines down there. And I wanted to preach a short sermon and give you time to do this. And I'm, I'm, I'm really going to have to, in all seriousness, I'm going to have to take some time to ask the Lord, What's up with this? Because I keep on trying to get us to a place of just being quiet together. And like I feel like he's having such a download conversation that I'm overwhelmed by it. And I'm just like, I can't seem to shut up up here. <laughs> he's a conversational God. He's a speaking God. We must learn to be a listening people. So I want to ask you to take this. And this week, maybe you can take the verse that we've talked about even of being a disciple. Another verse would be fine, but that Luke 9, Lord, I want to be a disciple. Whoever wants to be a disciple must deny themselves. I want, Lord, I, I want to be a disciple. Will you help me learn to deny myself and take up my cross daily so that I'm following you? Would you help me know what that means? You might write that on there. It's just praying his word back to him. Whatever, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. God, I don't even know what that means. I mean, that's a great prayer. I need help in knowing what that's even saying. Just being honest. Most important thing I can ask you today is do you have any question in your mind that you're following Jesus? Come on, why don't you just open your heart, just listen to him just for a moment. I'm going to conclude we're just going to take a little bit of time of worship but I want you is the Holy Spirit convicting you to surrender to the deeper practices and disciplines that we see modeled in the life of Jesus so that we're truly following him
Lord, I'm sure a good percentage of what I've said today has just been me. And I thank you that you use every one of us when we're willing to be used by God, even though we fumble our way through being used by God. But your word says you take the foolish things of this world and use those things to confound the wise with the revelation of Christ and the wisdom of God. So let the revelation of Christ and the wisdom of God emerge right now as you, by your spirit, begin to lovingly convict us to go to a deeper place of serving you and walking with you in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Regardless of how you translate this, just would you mind if you're here and you say, man, I just need to surrender to Christ. Like full-on surrender. Just lift both your hands. Let's just surrender to him today. Lord, I surrender my heart and my attitude and my emotions, my reactions. You came and you lived and you died and you're risen from the grave. You're the Savior of the world. I pray that you would awaken within us a heart and a desire for eternity in the way we walk with you. Stir us, Lord, to a deeper place where we learn to be outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the heart of Jesus. Jesus' name. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they'll make their way back. Just right back here as we just take a few moments in worship. We won't, again, here, here I am catering to, you know, I want to be careful and be convenient and but come on, let's take a few moments and really engage. Would you agree? He's worthy of our praise. Let's take whatever God is stirring in our hearts and let's bring that in a time of worship. And if there's anything we can pray with you about, if today you made a decision, you say, today I made a decision that I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time that decision has been made. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to pray with you. We want to believe with you. We want to put a Bible in your hands. We want to help you on that journey. Our prayer team is right back here for their, if there's anything we can pray with you about, then I want to just invite you as we worship for a few moments here. Would you just find your way to the prayer team, let them agree with you, and for the rest of us, come on, let's engage our hearts fully, being completely attentive to what the Lord desires to reveal just in a few moments of worship before we're actually dismissed. <laughs>